Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, I'm going to begin our reading at verse 1 and then read through verse 18. Our focus tonight is on verses 12 through 18. Philippians 1, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be <clears throat> pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Indeed, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we return this evening to our study of this letter of Paul, the letter to the church at Philippi. These uh, people in the church had heard some things about Paul, about his imprisonment, and Paul writes them to put them at ease. We have seen that Paul uses the typical letter style of the day. He begins uh, by reminding them who he is. He is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He addresses them as the saints of the Lord. 
and prays that God's grace and peace would be with them. Then he offers a prayer for the church. Uh, We looked at that last time. Paul's prayer for the church that their love would abound more and more, that they would be pure and blameless, and they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Those are all the introductory matters to the letter. Now, Paul will begin the body of the letter, what he wants them to know. And he will begin with what is most important to him. We don't write letters anymore today. Letter writing is something of a lost art. Uh, We have so many means at our disposal. We text and we tweet and we post even the most insignificant things. I had a tuna sandwich for lunch, send. My socks don't match, send. I have a bit of a cold, send. Insignificant, not important. We miss the art of writing a good letter. I remember growing up, uh, every Sunday, my mother would write a letter to her parents. We were in Washington State, they were in South Dakota. And even then, we didn't call on the phone. The phone was for special occasions, for a birthday or perhaps for an anniversary. Letter writing was what was important. And and when those letters were written, mom would begin with the most important things she wanted grandpa and grandma to know. This is what's going on in our life. That's what Paul is doing here. What is most important? important to him. They were concerned about his status, concerned about the fact he was imprisoned. What is most important to Paul? He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That was most important to Paul. Not even how he was doing But what has happened has served to advance the gospel. He finishes this this section, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The proclamation of Christ, the proclamation of the gospel, that was fundamental, that was most important to the Apostle Paul. And so he begins the body of the letter, with that theme that Christ is proclaimed and the second most important thing we'll look at next week that Christ is honored in verse 19 through the end of this chapter that Christ is proclaimed and that Christ is honored so tonight uh, the most important thing part one uh, that Christ is proclaimed and if this was important to the Apostle Paul and he thought it important to the Philippian church, it should be important to us as well. The proclamation of Jesus Christ. Paul says that proclamation is advancing even among the guards. Again from verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul is imprisoned. Now, very likely, uh, not held in a dungeon or a jail, very likely held under house arrest, but still limited, under guard, not free to go wherever he wants. He's being guarded. And in this time, he says, this has served to advance the gospel, knowing the the character of the Apostle Paul, knowing how valuable the gospel was to him. We can't imagine him being guarded day and night without sharing that truth, without telling the others why he was there. It is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that these guards had guarded many prisoners before. Some of them enemies of the state. It was very clear Paul was not a political prisoner, but it was for the sake of Christ and for the gospel that he was in prison. He says, I want those around me. I'm not free to go where I want, but I want those around me to know the truth of Jesus Christ. I want the gospel and Christ to be proclaimed. Now, how do we take a text like this about imprisonment, about restriction, and apply that to our lives today. Does this text speak to us? I doubt, I doubt that in the week to come, any of us are going to be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And yet this text does speak to us today. Paul was <clears throat> restricted. Paul could not go wherever he wanted. Restricted in what he could do. And that is certainly something we do face. If we go to our jobs tomorrow, we are, we're called to do our work there. We're not free to come and go as we want, but we're called to do the work that we've been asked to do. We're restricted. This is where we are for now. And when Paul was restricted, even in that restriction, he would want to share the truth of the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, throughout our workday, we might be trying to share the gospel. But certainly, there will be times when we perhaps have a coffee break or a lunch break in our offices, in our warehouses, in our job sites. We're restricted, but still perhaps together with others. Do we ever think about the advancement of the gospel at that time. Paul was concerned the gospel be advanced no matter what. Whether he was restricted or not, he would tell others the truth. Do we think about that as we, as we go to our jobs? Might there be opportunities when although restricted to this particular place to work, there might be occasions where we could share the truth and proclaim Christ to others. And perhaps we, we won't go to work, perhaps we'll stay at home. And uh, I don't like to use the idea of imprisonment with this next uh, topic, but I'm thinking particularly of uh, mothers 
with young children at home. Maybe sometimes that feels like imprisonment. I can remember when our kids were young and very seldom would I take care of them alone, but I was so thankful when my wife would come home and relieve me from that task. Perhaps you are a mother at home with young children, not able to just come and go as you like. You're there with the kids. That's valuable time. That's precious time. Do we spend that time not simply plunking our kids in front of the TV set, but, but spending time telling them the truth of the gospel, spending time telling them about Jesus, spending time teaching them the songs of Zion? We can't, go as, can't come and go as we want. We are there with them. But using that time, even with our children, for the proclamation of Christ, that they might grow to, to know him, to love him, to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior, teaching the gospel to our own kids. When Paul was restricted, he said, my most important concern is that Christ be proclaimed. And that must be our concern as well, whether on the job or restricted at home. Paul says not only are the guards being aware of, of who Christ is, but even the other brothers, verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's imprisonment gave them encouragement to speak. And I always find that a bit strange. I think my response would be, look, Paul spoke up and he was imprisoned, so I'm not going to be encouraged to speak. I'm going to be afraid to speak. But what was going on here was Paul recognized the value of the gospel. It was so important that no matter what, even if he was imprisoned, it was important that Christ be proclaimed. And that that value of the gospel was then embraced by the other brothers. They recognized this was no simple message. This was no story. This was the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And even if it would result in imprisonment, they were emboldened, they were empowered to speak that great word. How emboldened how confident are we with regard to the gospel we have wonderful freedoms freedoms to speak the truth about who jesus christ is yet so often we are so slow to speak we are afraid of what might happen to us Rather than having the confidence, even uh, of um, Apostle Paul who was imprisoned, that giving us confidence and boldness to speak the word. I recall a, a friend of mine who was a brother in another country uh, planting a church there and is um, continually bombarded 
by the local authorities. They are trying to build a church, not only physically, but also spiritually. And in that physical building, they are not uh, given uh, building permits. People come to the site at night and steal their things. Uh, the work they've done is being destroyed. And yet he continues, is emboldened to preach the gospel and seek to build a church. And I say, with what ease we live our life here. Where is my zeal for the gospel? Am I emboldened to speak the word of God without fear and with confidence? As we talk with those around us, as we visit with our neighbors, uh, what is it we talk about? We talk about our families. We talk about how our children are doing. We talk about our work, the various labor God gives to us. We talk about the ball games and how things are going. We talk about how the Dodgers were watched out of the playoffs. We talk about all these things. Do we ever bring the conversation around to Christian matters? Do we ever bring the conversation around to the things of Christ? These brothers were encouraged, even in spite of Paul's imprisonment. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Oh, that God might give us that same boldness to declare the truth that Christ be proclaimed, and in that we would rejoice. And then Paul says, the word is being preached among the guards, the word is being preached by the brothers, and even by those who he would call rivals. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. Verse 17, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. They proclaim Christ to make Paul's life worse. It wasn't a false gospel they were proclaiming, but bad motives to make things hard on Paul, to make his imprisonment even more difficult. And what does Paul say? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The proclamation of Jesus Christ was the most important thing to the Apostle Paul. Nothing else mattered but the preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Even if that preaching was being done by those who Paul wouldn't agree with or who wouldn't agree with the Apostle Paul. I think it's um, easy for us to become judgmental with regard to other churches. Churches who have a different practice than we do. Churches who have a different polity than we do. 
And we recognize those differences. But if the gospel, the true gospel is being proclaimed, we should rejoice. Because in that, we have a common fundamental goal that Jesus Christ be proclaimed. Now, I'm not talking about some sort of phony ecumenism where we go down to the lowest common denominator. The gospel, the true gospel, the full gospel, when that is being preached, even if the church doesn't have the same standards for membership or a different understanding of church polity, how to govern itself, if the gospel is being preached, in that we should rejoice. Paul says, they preach Christ from rivalry. They preach Christ from envy. They preach Christ from self-ambition. But they preach Christ. And in that, I will rejoice. Now, we certainly do believe that our polity and our practice comes from the Word of God. We recognize there are others who do things differently, but the fundamental truth is Jesus Christ being proclaimed. Paul rejoices at the proclamation of the gospel. That is, that is his joy and his delight, that the most important thing take place, Jesus Christ be proclaimed. And we place, as a church, we place a high value on the proclamation of the gospel. Kids, our church has two full-time ministers. And our job is to study the Word of God and to preach it and to teach it. That's a, that's a high priority for us as a church. We have elders who listen carefully every Sunday to the sermons to make sure that Christ is being proclaimed. Certainly as a church, we have a high priority on that proclamation. Do we have that same high priority as individuals in the church? When we find ourselves with the opportunity to share the gospel, do we pray for that opportunity? Do we take that opportunity or rather shy away from it? If someone should begin to ask us about Christianity, if they could ask us, how do I become a Christian? Have you thought about how you would answer that question? Have you thought about what you would say? of how to share the gospel, how to proclaim Christ to your neighbor, to your co-worker, to whoever God might place in your path? Do we as individuals have that same high priority that Jesus Christ be proclaimed, that we recognize we are fallen and sinful and cannot save ourselves, and God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be that one and only Savior? And if given the opportunity... We would share that truth with whomever God places in our path, that Christ is proclaimed, and in that we rejoice. We proclaim that Christ again tonight, to come to Him, to recognize your sin, to embrace Him as Lord and Savior, as your only hope in this life and the life to come, and to know that, that He is the complete Savior, proclaiming that 
glorious truth. How important is this in our life? For the Apostle Paul, it was the most important thing. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. As God gives us opportunity in the week to come, will we take those opportunities? We sang before the sermon, <clears throat> Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of your tone. As you have sought, so let me seek your erring children lost and lone. It doesn't take a seminary degree to share the gospel. It simply takes knowing Jesus Christ, what he has done for you. May God work this, this passion of the Apostle Paul into our hearts that we be concerned with the advancement of the gospel and that, that whatever case, whether in pretense or in truth, if Christ is proclaimed, then we will rejoice. Let's pray together. Oh Lord our God, we are so thankful for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ a gospel entrusted to us, your people, a gospel revealed so beautifully in your word. And Lord God, we thank you for the ministry of that gospel that we experience Lord's Day after Lord's Day. But we know that we too may have opportunities to share that truth with others. Lord God, give us a greater confidence Make us bold to speak of the word without fear. May we recognize that when Jesus Christ is preached, we can rejoice for you are continuing to build your church. Lord God, help us to embrace what is most important, that Christ is proclaimed. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn to 438, 438, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true, it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. We're going to sing all four verses, 438, let's stand together as we sing.
Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.